You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and yes, that's a whole heap of rain going on around me at the moment. It is absolutely pouring in my part of the world. But the interview subjects that you've tuned in to hear are from Denmark, yet another band from Denmark. This time around, you'll be hearing from the lads in Steelborn, Benjamin Atlas Andreasen and Jacob Druidale Brun specifically. They're two-thirds of the outfit. The lads have released a new album. It's out now. It was released on the 30th of April 2021. I'm enjoying it. It's actually one of my albums of the year thus far, I've got to say. A Tale As Old As Time is the name of it. If you love traditional power metal in the vein of Hammerfall, Halloween, some Judas Priest, Maiden. But if you've also got a bit of a thing for extreme metal, you'll love these guys. But We talk all about it through the episode as you will soon hear now here's a couple of points i've got to raise the first one is a big one my audio is absolutely shit through this conversation i was at my mother-in-law's house and i didn't bring along my microphone so i had to use my airpods and they make it sound like as if i'm broadcasting from the end of a cave through an am radio nothing i can do about it unfortunately Benjamin and Jacob's audio, though, is tip-top. So there you go. The other thing is it sounds like as though Benjamin and I have a bit of a false start. I do say to him, look, when the episode kicks off, blah, blah, blah. But we actually do exchange some high-quality banter for the first five minutes or so. So I thought I'd include it anyway. So it's not a mistake. I've done it on purpose. And uh, let's get to it. Here they are. Benjamin Atlas Andreasen and Jacob Druidale Brun from the Danish outfit Stillborn. Hey Andrew. Benjamin, how's things? Good. Good. Quite good. Just a uh, home office situation, but that's uh, uh, all the more excuse to, uh, to talk some heavy metal instead. Indeed. Have you still got COVID lockdowns in Denmark? Partially, we have. I have two, three days a week in the office, which is which is nice. I mean, just getting out is is good. Um, I feel like this, um, the drive back and forth, sort of clears your head, clears your mind, instead of just being in in it for for the full day. How about yourself? Yeah, we've. Uh... We've we've got a pretty psychopathic premier here, like a I guess you call him a governor, who uh, as soon as there's one case, they tend to lock or three cases. Yeah, yeah. The last time I went in for a lockdown, it's just stupid because we're there's never we're never going to get rid of COVID, and so people have to function. I think the the Swedish model seems to be the way forward for everybody, and also uh, New South Wales, a state just beneath us here, um, has a pretty good model. Also, California, uh, not California, God, that's not the worst model. Texas and Florida have the best models, you know. It's, it's just it's just nuts, mate. I mean, the, the issue for us as musicians, because I'm a musician as well, is that we can't perform live. I, I've you're got my you're first... a bass player, huh? Correct. Perfect. See, see. Perfect. Yeah. Right there. Yeah, yeah. We have it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, we, yeah. We will have Jacob joining us as well. He's uh, sometimes not the... Um, the fastest uh, technical person to join uh, links and everything uh, computer-ish, so he might be uh, a few minutes late, but uh, he, he's coming. Sure, no worries, yeah. 
Yeah, no, I uh, I like your music, by the way, before we get things kicked off. Um, I uh, I find, for, we'll talk about this when the other fella joins, but it's mm. expertly recorded, man. I mean, it's crystal clear. I mean, I assume you've Close done this on a shoestring. You know, I assume you've done this on a shoestring budget, because that's just how things have to get done these days. And you've probably done a lot of it yourself, but you've done it well. It's it's essentially done here. Like I have the um, I have the X uh, the the Dark Glass X7 pedal here into a Focus Right. Yep. Into the machine down here. That's. That's essentially it, which is, it's ridiculous come to think of it because we, we never expected to be able to, like we, we invested quite a bit in, in home equipment just to be able to record, or not record, but be able to, to write material and like send riffs back and forth um, mm. to each other. Like we have a drive where we share uh, riffs and, uh, and such. And then, you know, I add the bass part, Jacob adds guitars. I go back in, I add strings as a backing vocals. And then, so the whole album was, was written like, like that essentially. And it was just tracked at home, which is, yeah, I think, it's ridiculous that you can actually do that, but but we were actually positively surprised in terms of of not only how good you can make it sound, but but uh, how easy it was and how efficient it was. Because I, I mean we've we've recorded many albums previously, right? And and the amount of money we've saved on this is is absolutely mm-hmm. insane. We've I've, I think the last full length album we recorded it set us back somewhere between 80 and 100,000 Danish kroner. Uh, what would that be? I'm going to work that out. Seven. Yeah, currency. yeah. yeah. Um, just in studio time, right? And and we, of course, we picked a, an excellent producer. It was Tommy Hansen. He did a lot of work for Halloween oh, really? uh, back in the day. And, and uh, he was an excellent producer to work with, right? But he was, he was, um, he's an elderly man. Uh, he's been doing this for many years and, and the, the cons of that was like four o'clock in the afternoon okay gents time to head home because I'm off the clock and I was like and even if you were like in the middle or you were just in the zone adding vocals or whatever it, it was just because this was a job for him and I can I completely respect that And uh, but it's just it's hard to work with as a band when you've like set off a week to do a a full-length album and you're you're sort of trying to get in the zone and and then you're being thrown out <laughs> um so having having the option to join from from home is uh and, and track from home is is quite amazing yeah and dark glass too because <laughs> i use um sansan which i find pretty good because i've got the rack mounting from a live stuff i don't do recording these days but haven't Dark Glass produced some of the best equipment in the last five years? Like, it's fairly cheap to buy. In other words, it doesn't cost a fortune. And the sounds that you've produced on the album is a very good advertisement for, for Dark Glass, for the sound, I'm talking, just the sound, yeah. I mean, I've been looking for proper bass pedals for, for years. I've tried mm. a lot of them. And... Uh, I, none of them have cut it because I tend to like if if you get a very good gritty tone and then you just lose out on the on the low end and and there's nothing there where where the beauty of the dark glass is this uh, I don't know how much into it you are but but where where it splits the signal in two right and you you, you can 
you can distort the low end or you can leave the low end clean. And I, I think that's, that's absolutely amazing uh, to have that option. Uh, it's hands down the best overdrive distortion pedals I've, I've ever come across. Uh, How do you find it sounds when you play it at full volume? Honestly, I couldn't tell you because I've never actually used it live. Hmm. This is a recent discovery on my end. So I, uh, previously, I've, I've, uh, I've used uh, uh, Mad Professor. I've tried a few off. I've used some of the EBS pedals. EBS, yeah. Um, I, and throughout most of our live shows, now we haven't played live with, with Steelborn yet, but, but with our previous band, I've, I've actually had just gone for a clean, like Steve Harris kind of sound, just completely new strings, uh, a lot of treble um scoop mids and and uh, not that much bass actually so so i'm looking forward to trying out the dark glass in 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 a live setting because we we haven't done that yet uh so i i couldn't tell you actually okay i think we've got someone joining us now here we go yeah hey, hey, are. hey mate how you going hi <laughs> okay yeah <laughs> We're on board. So we're, we're on board. <laughs> we've uh, we've just been discussing bass pedals, Jacob. So we didn't miss out on much. Okay. Okay. Sorry, I had a phone call I needed to to take. Oh, good. Well, we'll just keep on going then, because um, Ben, we've been having a pretty good conversation so far. So I won't do too much editing because that was a pretty high quality conversation just then. Um, but Jacob, I just I issued Ben a, a, a heartfelt compliment actually because and i do mean this i don't just throw compliments out there because i feel like it but great look great job with the tale as old as time okay first and foremost because i know it's not easy when you're musicians and you're doing things on your own dollar and you've got the pressures and stresses of jobs and bloody bullshit covid lockdowns and all of that sort of stuff but you have put your hearts and souls into this and it, it shows across the seven cups for people listening anybody that's a fan of epic traditional heavy metal with a hard edge and that's the devil in the detail actually with you guys is that rather than just go for the hammer hammer fall the judas priest and the maiden i can hear some chuck Schuldino in there too. so that that's important to somebody like me and, and i could even hear some of uh some some blackened elements such as the more recent enslaved albums i could hear coming across in what you guys are doing, what you guys are doing so what do you think of my comments do you, and do you want to add anything else no, I think uh, I think you're right. I mean, we we um, I think the apparent influences are hard to disguise, right? We're we're all all three of us are are like huge Maiden fans, huge Priest fans, uh, and then we are branching out in different directions. And and um, I think Jacob is the most uh, vigilant one of us, um, staying true to to like a very specific era. And I think uh, I think that is the heart of, of the songwriting in, in Steelborn. And then you have Tolls and I who are trying to drag it in other directions, uh, just to give it a little bit of spice of something else, something hard. I'm, I'm surprised that you say Enslaved because uh, I think I'm the only one who actually appreciates Enslaved in the, in the constellation. Uh, but um, I can definitely agree with some of like the the harder or or a bit darker um mm. reference that you had in my head we we're thinking like um candle mass um stuff really? like that okay. trying to a little bit it's it might not be as evident but uh at least trying to get down to some of 
the slower, more gritty, uh, darker tone. Um, but at the heart of it, it is very much uh, Maiden and Priest. And then there's the 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 production value of it, obviously, because we could have gone, as you said, the the, the Hammerfall route and make it very polished, mm. very pretty. Um, and I think having a little bit of edge in the production uh, definitely complements it quite well. Jacob, your thoughts, mate? Well, I agree with Benjamin in, in, in what he said. At, uh, and, and uh, of course, Maiden and Priest, and that is the, the main inspiration for, for the songwriting. And, 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 and that's where I come from. Um, and when Benjamin and Trolls, they, they uh, put in their views on things from the darker side of metal that, uh, that gives that, uh, the edge that the music needs in order to, to, to be different from what you normally hear. Hmm. Um, and I appreciate the, the, uh, the production as well. Uh, it's, it's not what I had in mind when we, when we started recording, but it... It works for the album as a whole, and I think it's, it's, it's pretty neat. Is that right? Because that was the thing that I said to Ben, was that the production sterling, given, given the, the limitation of funds and that sort of stuff, because there's no such thing as labels. There's, there's, no, there's no advances. You've got to do everything yourself. But, but I'm, I'm curious, actually, here, because the production is, is very good, but it wasn't what you had in mind, Jacob. So what did you have in mind? <laughs> well, my... <laughs> My idea with uh, with the record was that it should be more polished, more hammerfallish. Uh-huh. I had a hammerfall gotcha. track as the as the reference track, and that was my uh, my, uh, my, uh, my idea of the sound of the record. Um, and then we of course got into a quite a big discussion of where we needed to go in production terms. And uh, luckily, we had a, a friend of ours who could do the production for us, uh, which had uh, some views that differed quite from mine in order to what we needed to do to get this to be better. Um, it, yeah, it, if, if I can jump in, because originally the plan was to actually mix and master it ourselves. Like the, the um, because coming, I don't know if this leads into any other questions you, <laughs> you might have, but but uh, starting out, uh, Steelborn. I mean, because Jacob Tolson and I, we played together in a uh, in another band previously that fell apart last year, and then we we got back together and we said, look, we, we want to finish these this material that that we have just left, uh, and and the main priority was to just get them recorded, get it mixed, and then if anyone wanted to listen to it, hey, that'd be cool. But first and foremost, we did it for ourselves. Um, so with that in mind, the, the original plan was to actually just record it and then mix and master it ourselves. Then, as Jacob says, we, we had a, a friend who, who uh, was just starting out uh, as producer on his own. And he said, look, can I, can I just have the raw tracks and, uh, and see what, what I can do with it? Hmm. And, and it was there that we, we heard, because it was something else entirely. Like, uh, and it's very, it's very interesting to hear the tracks and songs that, that, that you have written and recorded in a completely different setting, because that was what it was, essentially. It was uh, a lot harder, a lot more gritty than, than what we, at least from the demos, um, it was a big, big difference, right? 
and uh, but it suited it. It, it was very, very uh, complimentary to to uh, we in hindsight. So so mm-hmm. we ended up saying, okay, that's fine. We're, we'll we'll focus on the next album, and you do the mixing and mastering because this is absolutely amazing. What about the, the release standards? So you've obviously got the MP3, which is what I received from Sora. But he, music like this, in in my opinion goes beautifully with vinyl and even cassette. A lot of those cult maniacs out there love this sort of music on cassette. So are you going down that route as well? We will. Um, just building on starting out, there was no like full roadmap of do this, do this, do this. First of all, we, we just wanted to get the album out there. Um, and because of the circumstances with COVID, we don't know exactly when we're able to start playing shows. And it, it wasn't when we recorded it we weren't sure we would play shows it has later evolved to yeah we're, we're definitely we're definitely going full ambition and, and and playing shows again so to begin with it was just a digital release but knowing that we will be playing shows hopefully fall or or winter at least um then we will stock up on on vinyl uh, cds probably um t-shirts and all of that that we can bring with us on the road um yeah so yeah, so, so it, it, it will be there how easy is it i assume it's fairly straightforward because you're part of the european union but just in this covid circumstances have you put some feelers out to see how easy it is going to be you know the holy grail these days is germany or it has been for years germany of course you can play about 70 dates in germany can't you so in terms of getting into other nations in europe is that going to be a simple process for you or is it going to be a lot more complicated now? The rules are always changing, right? Or the recommendations, I should say, are always mm. changing. And I, I, honestly, I'm not sure about the most recent uh, events. I can see that a lot of our, our friends from, from the Danish metal scene, they at least they have started booking shows, mostly domestically. Um, so it is slowly starting up, but most of them are like test festivals and, and, and test concerts where it's like, I assume you would need a, a, a negative Corona test from and probably, a, 24 probably hours vaccinated before. as well. That's the other thing. Probably. Yeah. But, um, <clears throat> absolutely. Germany is, is, is a big, big country for us. And, and, um, we, we hope to be able to go there, um, now in the coming weeks i uh, we hope to get some good reviews of it we hope to sort of be able to ride that wave and then start booking the shows um as circumstance allow it so i'm sure we'll run into a whole bunch of of surprises on that uh, on that note but um right now i can't i can't tell you honestly yeah yeah it's a tough one mate that's a problem isn't it the uncertainty. You can't book things. That's exactly what we talked about at the very top. You know, this bloody situation at the moment um, where music needs... This music, it's fostered in the live environment. The album is important, but the live arena is actually when it comes to life, literally. That's how five people yeah. are talking about that on the, on the podcast. And metal bands need to be able to tour, need to be able to play in front of people. So without that, and, and I've... I've I've asked this question so many times in the last 12 months because it is important. That's the marketing and the social media side of things because with a release as strong as this, as a fan myself, the last thing I'd like to hear is that 
it doesn't do for you guys and reach the ears of impressionable listeners that would otherwise have heard it through the live arena. So you, you maybe have to step up the social media side of things and that means spending money on Facebook and Instagram. So is that what the plan is? I mean, we've through CERN, we've, we've reached out to a couple of um, media platforms out there and it's great to see that starting to come to fruition because uh, there's a, a lot of, of noise and it's difficult to cut through. Uh, there are so many bands that are just, as you said, never heard because sure they can, they, they can maybe gain a, a, a few uh, audiences in live shows and stuff like that. But um, you have to be very, very good at the social media game. And, yeah. and we're not, uh, I mean, we just want to play music. Uh, I don't want to sit and spend two, three hours a day trying to grow the Instagram follower base. I don't, I don't care. Uh, and, and I hate the fact that I need to do that just to, to get an audience. Um, and especially in Denmark, it's, it's, it's difficult because uh, there seems to be a, a different culture in, in the rest of Europe. And especially the, the Spanish-speaking countries are, are very, very open to, to new music. Um, compared to to the nordic countries where where it's sort of like oh okay if there's there's not a positive review by someone i trust then i don't care uh, and i'm guilty of it myself as well I, we have a couple of of uh, other bands in denmark that have recently re released full length albums and it took me two, three months before I had like the surplus and the, the patience and the mood to sit down and put it on and, and make my own assessment of, of what I thought. And when I did, I thought it was brilliant. But you need to be in a, in a specific mindset in order to want to do that. Uh, where it seems as in some of the, the Southern European countries, it's like new, new music is, is welcomed and appreciated to a, to a whole different degree, which I think is quite charming. Same thing here in Australia, mate. People don't give bands a chance. If you go to any one of these festivals that are starting to spring up, you see, I love these bands, by the way, and I'm sure, Jacob, you, you do too. You know, Iron Maiden, Priest, Halloween, Candlemas. I've spoken to Leafy Edmonds from Candlemas. Um, th these bands are the icons, right? But for God's sakes, they've been around for about 50 years, some of these bands. They're approaching 50 years. And yeah. they're the music of my youth. I, I find it, as a 14-year-old, I was wearing Megadeth T-shirts. I see 14 year olds around now wearing Megadeth t-shirts and it's, I was 14, well, you know, almost 30 years ago, you know? <laughs> so it's, it's, it's getting people to give, give you guys a chance, isn't it? And to say, hang on a sec, there are some new sounds out there. And if you give these bands a chance, it will actually help foster the genre uh, rather than listening to number of the beast and peace of mind. As I said, I'm not shitting on Maiden at all, but it's a bit of a, bit of a thing that I've got with young fans these days, to your point, that uh, tend to sort of follow the leader and not invest some, some time listening to bands. That and also, too, you guys are up against Spotify. So you may end up on a playlist, but kids aren't looking at their screen, so they don't know it's you. So the nope. song comes on and they go, oh, that's great. Okay, but now it moves on to the next one because everything's disposable at the moment. So yet there's no doubt you're up against it. And, and sorry, just to cap everything off, Ben, that point you make about not wanting to invest in social media, I get it. I don't either with my podcast and with other things. I've actually reached out to a consultant recently because I have to, because I'm writing books now, biographies. Uh, I'm writing soon to got to talk to him a little bit more, but I'm, Peter Sandoval from Morbid Angel, I'll be writing his biography fairly soon. 
and oh, uh, cool. it's it's got to be we have to engage in in the social media side of things in order to to raise awareness it's the only way to do it but yeah mate, that's that's the problem uh, not being able to play live you, you need to be able to do the social media side of things so but look I'll, I'll change change gears for a second let's focus on on the the album again lyrical themes guys what did you focus on do you want to elaborate, Jacob? No, you can take it. Uh, I think you <laughs> you can uh, <laughs> express it better I, than I can. Ideally, we will want uh, Tolls here for this. He's uh, the the mastermind behind the the lyrics. But in essence, we've taken sort of um, an observer's role to um, to religion. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily bashing on religion or praising religion, but a, a sort of neutral ground in the middle and and looking at different um, historical events and, and how the history seems to repeat itself. Hence the title, A Tale as Old as Time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I know that there are some hefty references in, in some of the tracks as well um, about this human need to, to fill a, a gap. Uh, by believing in something it doesn't necessarily have to be religion it could be uh alcohol or drugs or whatever uh, whatever else you 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 fill your your void with but this uh human instinct to to believe and stand for something and if that is taken away or or uh, appears to be a, a scam then then everything sort of falls apart so uh, the different tracks have a different thematic to it and a different time feeling to it um, and and we've at least in some of the tracks we've we've gone for very very at least the uh, requiem uh, the the sixth track on the album there's like heavy cathedral vibes in the in the beginning um, sort of trying to recreate this uh, this preaching session and and uh, yeah it's 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 a, I wouldn't say touchy subject, but I, it's just um, it's interesting to see how people interpret it in their own words. Because as I said, we're not like forcing people to to hear uh, a certain. It's it's not a rebellious album in the sense that we want you know screw religion or anything like that. But but I'm mm-hmm. I'm very curious to hear what people think when they listen and they make their own assessment because. Uh, I would understand if you would label us as a Christian metal band <laughs> based on some of some of the references <laughs> we have. So, so I, uh, just hearing it on a playlist, as you said, like, oh, that's one of those Christian bands. They're singing about Theo God and stuff like that. Um, but, <laughs> but, but that's <laughs> that's sort of where we are uh, right now. We, uh, I wouldn't say it's a concept album. It sort of started out as a concept album and then it's, uh, it branched out a little bit. Uh, we didn't want to do like a full-on Aryan or, or a Devin Townsend concept album in that sense, but um, mm-hmm. we hope that you can see the silver lining and the red thread in, in, in the tracks and also the order of the tracks. Yeah, talk to me about that, the order of the tracks. So you've obviously stacked them to, to tell a story. So in a way, is it similar to a concept album? Yeah, you could say, but but also just writing the dynamics uh, of the different tracks. I mean, you have some of the faster paced, more aggressive tracks, such as uh, Defiler would probably be uh, Defiler and Dear God and, and uh, the opener uh, by way of the serpent being probably the, the 
faster, harder tracks and then sort of give the listeners some breathing room uh, here and there. Um, it's also it's the first time we used uh, strings actually for like we never really had string sections before uh, and before I, I'm referring to previous band but um, where we also think it's a, it's a good way of, of complementing not only the lyrics and, and trying to, to underline some of this uh, Christ, Christian uh, or religious uh, undertones that are in there but also just to, to emphasize the dynamic and, and guide the listener in that sense. But um, each, each track, just to return to your original question, each track sort of has its own thematic or event that it builds from. So there's not, there's not like a, a start and a finish in terms of story uh, mm. where, where sort of the lyrics from track three leads into track four. There's nothing like that. But uh, so, so each of them had their own uh, story and their own universe uh, that they operated from. When we did like uh, initial sketching for the, for the artwork as well, we considered like having, um, what's the word for that? Like a mosaic almost of, of different oh. scenarios. Wow. Um, just to underline that part of it being individual stories with individual uh, historical events in them. Um, I think that's, uh, yeah, we ended up not going that route just because we wanted to, to give a more, more dynamic and more uh, interpretive album where people could make their own decisions. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm happy with the order of things now. I know Jacob is as well. Um, so yeah, I. But as you said, like people listen a lot through playlists, right? I hope that people sit down and hear the full album from start to finish, as as at least the three of us often do with with albums, and and I think that's the correct way of of uh, of the correct way. That's such a dumb thing to say, but but that's, I, I that's the way. Yeah. <laughs> no, I understand your point. I mean, an album like this, you get a six pack of beer, you sit down or you smoke a joint or something and you put on the lava lamp and you just soak it up. That's the way to do it. And it's a good, and, and for, like for me, I mean, God, you know, you do that sort of stuff and then you put the football on, the rugby for me here and uh, you've got the music playing in the background and you're chilling, man. It's a very good Friday night, man, especially for me these days doing that. And I hope people out there yeah. do that with, with what you guys have got here. But just focusing on the lyrical things again, I remember speaking to Shriegel Glansman from Elviti about this because they go into some of that Celtic mythology. And, of course, you know, you guys being from Denmark, it's, it's the Norse thing as well in terms of that's the perception that I certainly have. So correct me if it's, if it's not. But um, <laughs> you guys, I spoke to Danny about this too from Vansin, but there's this fucking movement at the moment to go after bands who are talking about things to do with Scandinavia and they're like calling you guys racist and all this bullshit. You know the idiots that I'm talking about, the fuckwits on Twitter. Did you feel any pressure to avoid subjects that, that may attract the attention of these morons or do you just not give a shit? No, not really. I don't, I, it was never in our consideration. I, I get what you mean. Like if you go with a, a full-on... Uh, I'm on a math uh, Viking crusade yeah. uh, thematic. Uh, sure, that can be interpreted in the in the wrong way. But I mean, people have done it to to uh, great success as well. Just building on the 
old school stereotypical man of war look at the um, what's their name uh, eternal champion the newest album oh yeah uh, good band armor of fire which is a fantastic album and and the artwork for that is just it's up there right you could you could right. easily make some assumptions um but honestly no it was not in our consideration I, i i don't know if if it's been blown out of proportion in international media uh if that's the case uh but at least here uh sure we see signs of it here and there and and uh there's also a lot of uh um a lot of talk lately about like women being excluded from metal oh, bands lost, and stuff like we that oh, we, we drop him uh, but no, we, uh, it was not a big consideration for us. Um, no, that, look, that's fair enough, man. Yeah, I just, I it, that sort of stuff annoys the hell out of me. If you heard what I was talking about with yeah. Danny, with, uh, and that, that it, it's just, it, it's just people virtue signaling and trying to game the system and try to prove that they're they they've got good intentions or they have anything but. Okay, and there have been some bands that have done absolutely nothing wrong, like uh, Okoye Jones out of Bolza. Who's I've spoken to Akoi, wonderful guy. He's a Kiwi actually, so he's just across the ditch from us here. Still got his Kiwi accent, but his father is his father's visibly African or or, or African descent. But he has the uh, he's got the tattoos, which apparently the Norse tattoos, and like he's been accused of it. And we I did speak to him about it. That was a couple of years ago, and and I could see how much it had affected him. He didn't want to go. He was happy to talk to me about it, and he was happy for the podcast, but. In terms of going on the record and talking to you know the pitchforks and the vices, noises and all of those things and the twit, the Twitter assholes, it's just a way I think of these people who have no understanding of the history of heavy metal and the link back. It it'd be like it'd be like uh, me. I mean, it's, even this is a, a sensitive subject, but a lot of Australian bands, of course, we've got a Australian Indigenous Aboriginal culture. We could draw from that, but me being an of Anglo-Celtic extraction. If I decided to sing about any of those great myths and legends of the dream time, it would be called cultural appropriation, of course. So there's like yeah. literally no way you can win. You can't lift lift up through subject matter. And the other thing is there's this, there's this one wonderful uh, subject matter that is yet to be mined, but for completely obvious reasons, it can't be touched. And that's a lot of the Islamic stuff because there were massive <laughs> Islamic incursions into Europe, massive Islamic incursions, you know, and... These are subjects, and there's, there's historical records of wars and battles that have been fought, and especially with the lyrical prose that I think you're bringing to things, and just thinking about it from an observer's perspective, not even offering an opinion. And, and, and I think I, hopefully once we get over all this woke culture bullshit, we can do that, I think, as a society. But, mate, I, I just can't see us getting out of it any, any, time, of it, any time soon, unfortunately. But I, I also do have hope because I think metal fans, and I mean this, Are on the are by and large rather intelligent people and can see through that sort of stuff. That's certainly been my experience talking to the musicians such as yourself, and then also interacting with fans who reach out to me online as well. I, I've never yeah. I've never had anybody reach out to me online. I've had anything but very nice things to say, constructive feedback, if you want to call it that. So I do have faith and hope, mate, that as a metal genre, mate, that we we might be amongst the first in terms of cultural artifacts to move out of that shit and go we're not putting up with this shit anymore we're going to defend our own but it's a, like it's it's sure the topic is new to some extent right but there have been issues like this always i a couple of years back i had the privilege of, of touring with the um, christian the brazilian death metal band um, oh christian brilliant band yeah 
fantastic band, fantastic guys as well. Uh, we were, I think, almost two weeks uh, with them, and they told some stories. Uh, I mean, they're a bit older than than we are, right? And and they had been around for for a lot longer, and and um, they told some stories about like touring in Germany, Poland, uh, Italy with like. Uh, early 90s late 80s were with skinheads standing outside the clubs waiting to beat up the the long-haired hippies listening to metal in inside right mm. they were just like systematically waiting outside and then when people emerged from the clubs there would just be mass fights um and they had they had put up with that for many years and they had some insane stories about about that if definitely if you're talking to christian at some point ask ask into to that part because they had some really in, insane stories i don't want to uh go in too much into it here but amazing guys amazing band we, we had a blast with them yeah i saw them in 2008 in brisbane and holy shit man they were just probably along with eric you know the master blaster himself eric rutan from hate eternal the two most intense bands i've ever seen live are hate eternal and christian Christian were just were just non-stop from the beginning to the very end, just windmills of hair, a bit like, like Eric and Hate Eternal. And mm. I, I couldn't believe, especially as a bassist, just how how intense intense their performance was. And you know, those, those skinhead assholes that are looking to beat up some of those metal guys, I'd like to see them go, those guys in Christian, man, those guys in Christian, those hardcore Brazilian nothing mm. mate, they'd beat <laughs> the shit out of them. <laughs> <laughs> You know, yeah. One of my one of my best friends is a Brazilian, actually, mate. You, you don't want to fuck around. <laughs> These idiots no, no. were hated, mate. But uh, they were from São Paulo, all three. The, the three brothers, actually. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Brilliant band. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so I don't think Jacob's coming back. Actually, he might have just dropped off. He just uh, texted me actually saying his his phone died. I don't know if that means he's on his way back or or. Uh, but we'll take it as a positive uh, surprise if it comes back. <laughs> we'll just keep forging <laughs> forward. All good. All right. So, um, the, the gosh, I'm looking for my words here and they're not coming out. God, I'll start again. Okay. If you were going to tell somebody <laughs> who has yet to hear your music to listen to a single track, which one would you pick? It depends on the person, I think. If if it's like someone who I know is not a fan of this kind of music generally, I would probably at least Jacob and I to us the the big one is a Taylor's Oldest Time, the title track. Yeah. Because to me it has everything. It has the um, the quiet intro parts. It has it's a very dynamic track, and then after the uh, after the quiet part in the middle, going over to the um, guitar solo madness. Uh, I I think that one has it all to me. But it's a very long track, so if you wanted to give people more of a "This Is Us," I would probably throw "By Way of the Serpent." It's like short and sweet. This is us. This is what we sound like. Um, closely tied in with Defiler, I think, um, third track. Um, but it's a difficult question, and we had that discussion when we were planning single releases because it was yeah. like, okay, we need to tell our story in, in a very short amount of time, and even though we think A Taylor's Oldest Time is the strongest, I know Tolls won't agree with this, so, so I mean, each to their own, right? But, um, yeah. 
by way of the serpent would probably be the, the short answer, closely tied with Defiler. <laughs> yeah, good choice. But Defiler has this very theatrical uh, chorus as well. I, um, I think it's, it's a love-hate song. Either you love the chorus in, on that track or you, or you hate it. It's too much. It's too theatrical. It's too pompous for you. Um, and then with the with the spoken word uh, thing leading into the solo again, that's also if if you're into like the 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 priest uh, theatrical scene or or uh, um, I think you would appreciate it. But uh, I know it's not for everyone. So seven tracks. I'm willing to gamble the chair that I'm sitting on that you had much more tracks written and you chose, if not the best tracks, just the tracks that you think worked. So you've probably got a follow-up release ready to go, have you? And certainly in terms of songs and arrangements put together. Are you back, Jacob? Yes, I'm back now. I, my phone lost power, sadly. Oh, good. Mate. Good to have you back. More precise than I can. Well, we had some tracks that didn't make the the album, but but we didn't have a lot of them actually. We, uh, uh, but for coming albums, uh, we have some now that we're working on. We don't have to uh, full album yet, but we have some uh, some tracks that we hope can be uh, recorded late this year, starting next year perhaps, so that we can follow up uh, in spring next year with album number two. Yeah, um, we have it, a, yeah, and we have like a huge back catalog of uh, riffs or intros or like we have a lot of of ideas that just never made it into a track previously where uh, where we just recorded this is a riff or this is you know a, a drum track or so so there are a lot of ideas to work with and and uh, now with it being done remotely because we can't meet in a rehearsal room once a week or twice a week, then, then you're sort of forced to do it that way. But, but it's, uh, I think it's nice. Yes, and that also, that's also the fact that, that if we select uh, tracks uh, not to go on this album, then we sort of uh, selected them as being not, not good enough to, to, uh, to see the world. All right. I know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and then, and then, and, uh, and and then we would rather do do new stuff than than pick off things that we sort of threw in the bin earlier. So yeah, yeah, you can you, you, I call it the musical parts bin. You know, you got these great riffs, but you haven't quite worked out a full arrangement for for them yet. But you, you've got a, a you're not so that was an issue that I've got with Metallica actually. They seem to release every bloody thing that they've gotten. Half of their, actually most of their stuff since about 1988 probably shouldn't have been out there. It's just not fully thought through. I know, I know Lars is one of your fellow countrymen, but uh, he's chiefly responsible I think, for a lot of that because he, he takes care of a lot of the arrangements. But uh, hey, I've, got, I've, met, I've been meaning to ask guys from Denmark this one. I didn't ask Danny this, but is Lars considered a, like a national icon? Is he one of the more famous Danes to Danish people? I would yeah. say no. Would say no. <laughs> Go ahead, Jack. <laughs> but that's maybe just my opinion. Oh, you've been, you've been too nice, I think. Yeah, I, I, don't, I couldn't imagine anybody wanting to claim him too, too heavily. I know, look, I've heard through the grapevine through people that have actually 
done business with him and had to spend time around him that the public persona is a little bit different to the private persona. But then on the other side, I've spoken to people that have met him and haven't been impressed as well. I've heard th- I've heard things like he's the sort of guy that if he's shaking your hand, he's looking over your shoulder to see who, who else is in the room. And I, for one, can't stand shit like that. But uh, look, he, he's been responsible for powering Metallica. And it is him, I think. It's his, it's his business acumen. To, to becoming, in my opinion, bigger than bigger than uh, the Rolling Stones, probably second to the Beatles in terms of the biggest band of all time. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, he, you know, he's a famous Dane. He's on stage there. It'd be nice for him to sort of give a give a Danish band like you guys a bit of a co-sign, though. You know, that, I mean, that would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> that would be nice. That would be nice. Um, I mean, you had um, I saw uh, Metallica in. I think that was 2007 when they played here locally, actually. And and at that time you had, uh, I remember supporting them was uh, Volbeat. And, uh, oh, yeah. And uh, Nemec. And, and it was shortly after that where Metallica just said, hey, Volbeat, we love what you do. Come with us on tour. And I thought that was that was an amazing gesture. And, and if it hadn't, now you can say all you want about Volbeat. I, I'm not gonna state my opinion here, but but the the impact it had on their career that Metallica sort of took them under their wing and 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 brought them along for a full tour. I I find it hard to believe they would they would have been as as big as they are now um, if it hadn't been for Metallica. So there was a bit of a gesture there, which which I can appreciate. Um, say what you will about the music, uh, but I think that was that was a good story. Yeah, bold beat, five finger death punch, disturbed. My my view on all of that is: look, it's rock music. It's heavy sounding rock music. More yeah, power yeah. to it. It's definitely not my stuff. Your stuff is more my thing, as you as you know if you've listened to some of my other podcast episodes. I'm far more into the extreme metal. But look, if bold beat, the, the opportunity there though for bold beat then to do what Metallica did for them to someone like you guys to bring you guys out mm-hmm. even for two or three shows, two and I know it's hard to do yeah, that. Yeah. I get the production side of it and the you know, the contracts and the arrangements are very difficult. I understand that, but that's the opportunity. And I think those big bands, they need to do that stuff, man. They do. They, they do owe it to the fans who actually go, hey, we, we heard these guys. They're a bloody good band. We're going to give them an opportunity to play seven or eight songs before, you know, like third band on the bill, that sort of thing. Because, you know, you get a Trivium or somebody like that, one of those big American bands that always supports the Volbeat, or maybe you know, not always, but, you know, typically that's the scenario. But I think that's the opportunity. But... I mean, I, 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 the perspective that Jamie Jaster has from Hatebreed on his podcast, he talks about high tide raising all ships, is his famous saying. And he's right. He's right. So the it's more bands like Volbeat that get bigger, the more opportunity there is, I think, for, for you guys, because it, it drags in some of these 11 and 12 and 13-year-olds that, that aren't attuned to metal yet, but they need that soft entry in through the yeah, Volbeats yeah. and through the Disturbed. And then they find you guys. I, I think you're right, and I, I think there's some sort of responsibility there. You, I don't know if that's the right word, but uh, coming back to what we talked about previously, with with like the, having someone validate the music for you, at least in the in the Nordic speaking countries where people are maybe more hesitant to explore new stuff, uh, mm-hmm. then it it would be such a big uh, help for upcoming bands and the industry as a whole to to be more 
uh, inclusive in that sense. And, and uh, because if, if you play, say you play death metal and you're, you're a Danish band, you play death metal, you are going to be compared to the burning, to ill disposed, to all these uh, hate sphere. Uh, Danish bands from like the 90s, uh, mm-hmm. where a lot of people in their head, this was the prime time of Danish metal music. And, and no matter what you do, you're going to get compared to those bands. And people are going to say, oh, oh, it's good, but, you know, it's not ill-disposed or it's not hate sphere. Um, and, and that's fine that, they're, that, they're, that that's their opinion, right? But, but to some extent, it would be so good to have someone with authority in the, in the scene, be it uh, a reviewer or, or another band, saying, hey, look, we can stand fully behind this. This is the new, new face of, of Danish death metal. If that's the case, right? That would that would be amazing, um, and and you have signs, at least a lot of international bands were were like insisting on having a local support. Um, we had the pleasure of supporting Dragon Force a couple of years back here, uh, and and super nice guys, and they like insisted on having a local support band. I think that was great. Um, in Flames a few years before that, uh, oh. like there's. And and um, so so there, it's very very nice to have those kinds of bands. And I know Machine had actually done it. That wasn't us, but uh, we know them quite well. Uh, another band here, um, where whereas like the the venue had gotten the responsibility of picking something suitable for for the main attraction, right? And I think that's mm-hmm. a very very charming thing to do instead of bringing your own support along. So it's a it's a fine line, right? Of having if you have one or two supports, then insisting on one of them being local, and then you can bring the other support band with you. That would be a fantastic way of of, of giving some attention to to um, to new bands. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that strategy. It's something that I've, I have spoken about that before. Uh, that's something that, sh- that seriously big bands, and when we talk about responsibility, that's, that's how they can be responsible. By all means, bring bring the, the internationally renowned support band, like when Metallica came, they bought Name of God. But uh, Baroness are a great band too, but they had Baroness on the third bill when they were last out here. So they had Baroness, Name of God, and Metallica. Now, in my opinion, to be honest, Baroness are the best band amongst all three, and I certainly enjoyed them the most. Nothing against the other two at all, but it's just down to personal preference. But it would have been nice to see a local band because God knows there are enough. Australia at the moment, there's a lot of metalcore and deathcore bands. There's not really a lot of bands like what you guys are, what you guys are doing. It's mainly metalcore, deathcore, and a lot of thrash as well. But still, you, you, give, you give these these bands an opportunity. But um, here's a question for you uh, about you guys. Okay, so you've got to be a metal fan to become a metal musician. So how did you guys meet? Is it the old thing where you guys knew each other at school or at university and decided to hook up, or was it the bloody ads on the internet where you, you know, drummer wanted and guitarist wanted? Um, yeah, I can start and you can fill in, Jacob. I um, I was uh, seventeen, I think, eighteen maybe. Um, I, I I had played guitars for for a bunch of years and we had this party band we played like cover cover songs for university parties and stuff and we were mm. playing a show at a uh, faculty and and uh, you know when you overhear a, a conversation and you overhear a very specific part of it and it's like almost godsend right then and there where where i i don't know what the guys were talking about at all but i overheard one specific sentence and it was hey 
have you seen the long-haired guy in the Iron Maiden t-shirt looking for a bass player for his power metal band? And I was like, <laughs> I need to find this guy. Because the week before I, I had, uh, the week before I had bought a bass, I didn't know how to play it yet, but I, I had bought a bass and uh, I found the long-haired guy in the Iron Maiden t-shirt. And uh, now we're doing an interview together on an Australian podcast, which, which I think is amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a killer. Yeah, I know. It, I thought it might have been one of those things where you were, you know, going grocery shopping and you overheard someone talking about Celtic Frost or something like that. Because I know that's what I do. Sometimes you, you hear that, and you're like, you know, you, you and me, we're alike. We understand each other. We don't know each other, but we understand each other. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I was listening to a lot of Manowar. Uh, a lot of Hammerfall, uh, a lot of folk metal back then as well, like Elevate and uh, Equilibrium, stuff like that. And, uh, and that was like my, my late teen years. But obviously also the, the classic, especially Iron Maiden, not so much Judas Priest at that time. And, and Jacob, who's, uh, uh, yeah, he was, he was a few years older than me. Well, you still are technically, but, um, <laughs> you know, uh, had, had, had played more shows than I had, and, and we sort of got talking. And, and Jacob, you already had a band at that point as well. Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, and uh, the way the rest of us met uh, uh, at that point, uh, or the third of us now, uh, he was uh, the singer of our former band as well. Um, and uh, uh, as we do in Denmark, we, we write some posts on different social media and stuff like that and then people respond and he responded to one of those it's like what you did back in the days where you hang up some uh, some papers at the grocery market or something like that um, mm -hmm. yep. so that was pretty pretty standard yes i remember those days well before the internet looking through the local newspaper musicians wanted section going meeting yeah. tens of musicians until you the, the irony for me is that oh, i've never played metal before played close to it new metal but never actually played what you guys are doing uh i i just found being, being a bassist i i that back in those days if you played anything more than just hung on the b string if it's a five string or an e string if it's a four string you didn't get a gig and they literally just i, I was just like why do you even guys even want a bass player in a metal band i tried to join a couple of death metal bands but I was trying to do stuff more similar to like Alex Webster does or what have you, because it's fun. Mm -hmm. You're trying to put, fill it up with notes and you think, well, this is a new thing to do it in. But, uh, you know, but, but I found that, Matt, nah, we just want you to play with a pick, which I don't play with a pick. I play with the fingers. I, I, I'm not saying I can't play with a pick, but I'm not as good. It doesn't make as much sense to me. It's just no. the way that I've grown playing a, uh, playing the bass, but I play a lot of funk and disco music as a consequence <laughs> these days. <laughs> so it's, it's very much the opposite, but it's just it's just a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, I, I think you earn your stripes as a metal musician meeting what meeting people through the classifieds or through these ads that you put in the grocery store, and yeah. meeting all these weirdos that say that they can play an instrument, then you give them an instrument and they can't play. You're like, well, why'd you say you could play an instrument? Mm. <laughs> yeah, we had a couple of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah we, did. we had a couple of those. Yeah, but it's, it's, uh, it's really, really nice now to ha having played together for so long. Jacob Tolson and I would play together for 10, 11, 12 years. Um, and and transitioning from being uh, a five-member five band to, to now being three, um, 
and having played together for so long, we sort of know what each other appreciate. And we sort of know, like, I, if Jacob sends a riff and I add a bass line to it, I can already tell before I send it back to him whether he'll like it or not. And, and it's a fine balance because sometimes I, I just do what he wants, but other times it's, it's good for all three of us to, to push him a little bit and saying, I know you're going to hate this, but just give it a chance. And it might be too much, but, but let's try. Um, and I, I think that we, we need that as well. You can't just grow stagnant because you know one another so well. So you just do the same thing over and over again. That way you'll never uh, develop, so to speak. And, and um, now you said uh, you're, I also play with my fingers as well. And, and when Jacob sent the first couple of riffs for, for this album, I was like, holy fuck, wow, how am I ever going to play this? Because Jacob had uh, recorded the drums and, and they were like, they were fast on some of the tracks, yeah. at least. If you yeah. listen to something like uh, the the chorus in, in Inferno, th- those triplet drums are are killer. And I was like, how am I ever going to do this with my fingers? So it was it was quite a fun process of trying to sit down and trying to develop a a, a new technique for yourself so you can actually keep up with with the, this new drum. And that's I haven't been. Um, like pressured in that sense in in a few years so that was definitely a moment where it's like okay you have to sit down you have to practice x amounts of hours a day you can't just Mm. do what you always do um and i think it's amazing to be able to push each other like that yeah i agree yeah sometimes uh when when you you particularly when you're faced with very fast drums as a basis it's one of those things you think, how the hell am I ever going to get over this and, and actually put something which locks down the groove? But yes, yeah, your point, yeah. it just comes back down to practice and, or study, of course, study, studying the music and actually just figuring out where you can, where you can make it musical. Like I, I, I've spoken to Steve DiGiorgio about this sort of stuff because he's just bass iconoclast. He's the guy. Right? He's a you know, big, big inspiration to me, just for the record. But Yeah. Well, he's a, he's a damn good guy as well, I've got to say. Just a very humble, down-to-earth guy. And I listened to the work that he did on um, uh, Control the Night. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I just said, I don't, I don't you know, that's his masterwork as far as I'm concerned because it's, it's totally non-intuitive but absolutely musical at the same time. And you need those yeah. high watermarks to, to, to use that expression again about water, but, you know, the tides and stuff. You, know, you need that aspirational figure don't you, who's pushed yeah. it to its outer limits to prove that you can be musical, the bass can be heard. So, so when you, you guys have, you guys have played live before though, haven't you? Maybe not in this group here, in this setup, but you clearly played live together before. So is it, is it very intuitive between the pair of you on stage? Yeah, I would say so. Um, with how many shows have we played together? Together? Uh, yeah. 50, 70, I think. More, I think more. Yeah, nice. Yeah. You can you can tell with the how cohesive the album sounds. You haven't phoned it in. You can, you've locked it down properly. And you only do that when you understand each other or you're a true session guns, you know. Yeah. Yeah, we we, we played a lot of shows together and, and we had like different phases. At some point we, we wanted to do it more choreograph choreograph feed. What uh, like uh, actually more of a plan? Choreograph. Thank you. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, whereas now it just it's it falls more more natural. Now obviously it's it's been a while since we played together live. I can't, the last show I think was November 
year and a half ago, something like that. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. final show with, with the Savage Machine that, that we had before. Um, and now I'm just, I'm super keen on getting, getting back out there and especially with this new material and, and the, yeah, I, th I think it's, you always think the newest stuff is the best, right? But this time I actually mean it. This is the best <laughs> that we've done. <laughs> Savage uh, Machine, man. That sounds like a Dio reference, doesn't it? <laughs> I think I think you could find a bunch of Dio references in there. Nice, yeah, nice, yeah. Do you get? Do you, I just want to add one comment, if I may, sure. Andrew, on the because you talked about like aspirations. There was a guy that came to my attention not long ago, but Jared Smith from Archspire. Uh, oh yeah, mm. like this. Uh, I know it's it's something else entirely to us, but I mean, just the freedom of seeing that man play and, and, and how he is doing his own thing, but it fits in with the guitars and the drum that's already very busy. It's a wall of, of sound, right? But he's, he's a, I believe he was a, a classical guitarist before he turned bass player. And it's just, you can definitely hear that in the way he's played. He's so free on the fretboard and, and, and like, it's, it's very musical at the same time uh, that is just savage, just brutal. Um, and I think looking to people like that, even though what he's doing is not directly applicable when you play classic heavy metal like we do, um, but taking little bits and pieces here and there of like, okay, he's actually doing some very, very impressive and melodic stuff at the same time. Uh, I think that's, that's very, very, uh, very, very beneficial uh, when you want to grow as a musician. Yeah, yeah, I know he's saying that. I, spoke, I can't remember the drummer's name now, but I've spoken to the drummer and I think I just said, I don't really understand how you guys do what you do because nope. it's, it's beyond the limits of what most people can probably comprehend. And at first listen, it, it doesn't so much sound like noise. It just sounds like it's almost computer generated or something like that. And to your point, to have a musical bass player amongst that setup, I'm, I'm just amazed, mate, as a metal fan from the 90s when I was a young fella, at just the way these musicians are pushing the outer limits of this music. They're doing things that you just did not ever think were possible. And it's such yeah. a joy to hear. It's such a joy to hear that the word, the key word, innovation, that's happening in heavy metal. Yeah, absolutely. You know, absolutely. Do you, uh, you guys get a lot of uh, feedback from, from us in Australia? Have you had any people sort of reach out to you that have listened to your music? I mean... We we only low key release this right. The official release is is tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, so we had um, we had a YouTube channel uh, pre release it yesterday. Uh, with like new wave of traditional heavy metal uh, full full albums and and uh, we've sort of been uh, since it it went uh, pre premiered uh, yesterday. The 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 feedback has been amazing. I, I was blown away uh, just going through YouTube comments and, and uh, just activity on our on our website as well. It's it's amazing to hear. Uh, but from Australia, no, not so far. Um, it, it seems to be. Um, no, not yet. But um, I hope we will, especially after this as well. Um, I, yeah, really encourage people to to give it a spin. I'd love to help you out. The problem I've got is that less than 10% of my audience is based in Australia. It's just the way oh, it really? evolves. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty pretty emblematic of a global metal 
global medal audience, if you like. So about 55% is in the United States. Uh, the mm-hmm. rest is made up of a combination of Europe and, and South America. Uh, lots of people from your part of the world, Denmark, particularly after good old Danny, the conversation with him from Vansint, uh, it just went boom. Mm. Um, he must be very well connected or something, or he's been very, he's been very nice and shared it all to his friends or something. Because I've had, I've had messages and I've had a lot of very nice things come back from Denmark actually, which has just been wonderful to see. Because I've always, I've long regarded Denmark as a metal, metal high water. You know, it's a place that's very important for heavy metal. I think, you know, Lars does come from Denmark, as we've already discussed, but Artillery is the other band. I think are incredibly yeah, underrated, yeah. massively, uh, you know, as important as far as I'm concerned on the impact on musicians as a destruction or a Sodom or a tankard. Yeah, we played with Artillery before as well. I think twice, Jacob, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, twice or thrice. I think. Yeah. Very nice guys. Yeah, he's um he's done a lot for Australian bands too, sorry. Yeah, Michael's taken the Australian yeah. bands out across Europe, yeah. Um, and Artillery is also a prime example of, of one of those bands that are are have had a big impact on, on the Danish metal scene in general and then now they, they also insist on playing with, with younger local bands, which I think is, is amazing. So whenever you see artillery there's there's always a local support there. Uh, I think that's that's a charming charming feat. So a lot of people here have played with artillery uh, and that's good for yeah. the better because they're, they're definitely the, the seasoned veterans here, right? And you can tell both on stage and off stage when, when you speak to them. And very nice guys. Yeah, I've only ever heard very nice things from, from people in Australia about Michael and uh, from Danny as well because he's played artillery for a bit. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you want that, mate. You just want the elder statesmen out there because it's not always like that. You know, particularly with some of the bigger bands that don't give a shit about the younger bands and the emerging bands that are coming through. Uh, I have heard some stories, you know, like like you're saying, some opinions aren't worth expressing, but some people just have bad days, weeks, months and years. So I get that. There's no dramas there, but uh, it's always <laughs> nice when, when, you, <laughs> when you hear nice stories like what I keep on hearing about Michael. Yeah. 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 Um, lads, I'll wrap things up, but before, we let you, before I let you go, the release is tomorrow. Okay, so I did see that. Now, for people listening, because I'll try and get this out tonight, um, for people listening, where can where can they go? Can you direct them to where they can go to support you guys if you've got physical copy out there or that sort of stuff? We um, we have our Facebook page where we will keep everyone updated uh, primarily. We have our website as well, uh, but Facebook is probably the, the easiest place. And then we are currently setting up a band camp from... Um, from uh, yeah, we we have been encouraged to do so uh, to mm. set up a band camp so people can actually purchase because uh, and and right now there's no physical stuff to buy but uh, I mean if enough people <laughs> want to then of course we'll have to set that in motion. Uh, currently we're just uh, blown away by the positive feedback on this so so uh, we we didn't know what to expect really so it's. Um, we're definitely looking into to physical um, physical music uh, CDs and vinyl and maybe even cassette if 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 your assumptions are right there. So um, I think Facebook is a good place to start, and then we'll keep people people updated from there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Bandcamp thing's a bloody good idea, I think, because um, 
Look, physical copy, it's just the way metal fans seem to identify. I don't, to be honest with you. I've bought cassettes here and there. I much prefer the convenience of these things, but I do listen to the albums. Yeah. Um, but, um, but no, that's killer. You've got, you got a good Facebook page. The website's killer too. I mean, you've got it all going on. Maybe on the next... You've got enough songs there for another album to, to do another album when you guys have got the energy to go through after this cycle here. Maybe that's the time to do it. But for now, people uh, listening, you can go to the Facebook page and... Uh, it's pretty easy to find you too, by the way, Steelborn. There's a another band, I think from Melbourne of all places, just down the road from me. Oh, really? Here, which, yeah, it doesn't have an E on the end. It's been like, I don't know why they've done it like that. I think that, yeah, but you can't get you guys confused, put it that way. They, they don't have the same profile that you guys have got. So it's very easy to find you. Definitely check this album out if you love your traditional heavy metal with uh, with a harder edge, I like to say, you guys have got. That's the thing that separates you guys from the rest of the pack. So so both of you, look, congratulations on, on the Sterling affair. I just look forward to seeing what you guys do in the future, man. I think it's all ahead of you. So do we. Thank you. <laughs> no worries, guys. No worries. Thanks very much. You've been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List online. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith. You just heard from the lads in Danish outfits, Steelborn, specifically Benjamin Atlas Andreasen and Jacob Druidal Brun. Thanks so much for tuning in.